In the 21st century, military interventions have acquired a dismal reputation. The US-led invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan are widely perceived to have caused at least as many problems as they might have solved. NATO's insertion of its awe into the civil war in Libya features in few, if any, textbooks. Russia and Turkey's barging into the conflict in Syria struck nobody as exercises in pure-hearted peace-bringing. These Syrian protesters in the town of Al-Nairab in Idlib don't want Turkish or Russian troops in their area. The two military powers are patrolling a section of the M4 highway. So it will be surprising if anybody is terrifically quick to put up their hand for a military intervention in Haiti, even though they are being urgently asked to do so by the government of Haiti. Haiti's acting Prime Minister Ariel Henry has admitted in a televised speech that Haiti's chronic gang violence has escalated far past the point at which Haiti's threadbare police and military are able to deal with it. Haitian authorities have not even been able to prevent said gangs from blocking Haiti's main fuel terminal, meaning that getting such basics as food and fresh water to Haiti's people is contingent on the whim of criminals. Added to which, Mr Henry's plans for ending government subsidies on fuel have proved predictably unpopular, with protests frequently escalating into violence, arson and looting. Buildings were set ablaze and food warehouses looted, including one operated by the Catholic organization Caritas. A World Food Program facility in the town of Gonaive was also looted and burned, WFP officials said. Transport services and other businesses have closed, and so have schools and some hospitals. We can't sell anything. There's no gas, and we can't sell to the motorcycle and taxi drivers because they can't find gas to work, and they are my customers. There have been reported cases of cholera. Three years ago, an outbreak of that disease killed at least 10,000 Haitians. None of this is entirely new. Haiti, the poorest country in the Americas, has become proverbial for its chaos, corruption, poverty and violence, punctuated by the occasional apocalyptic earthquake. As recently as July, fighting between rival gangs across the capital, Port-au-Prince, left hundreds of people dead and compelled thousands to flee their homes. And that came a year or so after the assassination of Haiti's president, Jovenel Moise, who was murdered when a group of gunmen, apparently Colombian mercenaries, stormed the actual presidential residence. It was around 1am, she says, when the shooting started. It wasn't something small, it was the sounds of automatic weapons. All of which is by way of observing that Haiti's bar for what constitutes catastrophe is set pretty high. If its government is basically pleading to be invaded, things must be really remarkably dreadful. The UN Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, believes that Haiti has a case. He has asked the UN Security Council to consider authorising the dispatch of troops. He urged the international community, including members of the Security Council, to consider as a matter of urgency the request by the Haitian government for the immediate deployment of an international specialised armed force to address the humanitarian crisis. 
There is an amount of history where this sort of endeavour and Haiti are concerned. The record, it is fair to say, varies. In 1915, the United States invaded Haiti following the assassination of a previous Haitian president, the seventh to have been killed or overthrown in a four-year period. Haiti remained an American protectorate until 1934 and under US economic control until 1947. In 1994, the United States threatened another invasion by way of forcing the resignation of a military junta which had seized power in Haiti three years previously. Once the generals had quit, the Americans stayed to oversee the restoration of exiled President Jean-Bertrand Aristide. These forces were succeeded by the first of a succession of UN missions, burdened by increasingly unwieldy and unpronounceable acronyms, UNMIR, MINUSTA, and MINUJUSTTH. MINUJUSTTH folded its tents in 2019. If there is to be a successor mission, the going will be tough. First, there would be the challenge of scaring up the troops. The UN Security Council can pass resolutions mandating the deployment of peacekeepers all it likes, but it cannot compel member states to contribute soldiers. And even if it can persuade them, this rarely happens quickly. Former UN Secretary-General Kofi Annan once likened the arrangement to a fire brigade that waits for the fire to start before acquiring a fire engine. Furthermore, judging by the protests which have erupted since Prime Minister Henri made his plea, any incoming blue helmets cannot expect to stroll to their barracks through a blizzard of rose petals flung by deliriously grateful citizens. Many Haitians have rejected the idea of another international intervention, noting that UN peacekeepers were accused of sexual assault and sparked a cholera epidemic over a decade ago that killed nearly 10,000 people. In the disturbances which followed Henri's address to the nation, several people have been shot, at least one fatally, and beleaguered police have resorted to tear gas to disperse rioters and looters. Haiti's ambassador to the United States, Boshit Edmond, has suggested that the way around these obstacles might be for the US and Canada to act on their own initiative. This might be a difficult sell, but it is not necessarily a bad idea, as one potential and not dissimilar precedent demonstrates. In 1999, before Iraq, Libya and others gave intervention a bad name, Australia led a peacemaking operation into East Timor, where pro-Indonesian militias were committing widespread mayhem in a bid to terrorise the Timorese out of any ideas about independence. Hundreds of people had been murdered and nearly half the population driven from their homes, which is to say, in terms that any Haitian listeners may find wearily familiar, gangs of criminals were ruling through fear. The troops who landed in Timor swiftly discovered that the marauding thugs who had fancied themselves such brave warriors and or swaggering gangsters while conducting the massacre of defenceless civilians were significantly less keen to try their luck with heavily armed professionals. For Monocle 24, I'm Andrew Mullett.